you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. It's the footballiest time of the year. With quarterbacks throwing and tailgaters ready for some brats and beer. It's the footballiest time of the year. Hi and hello football fans. Welcome to the Dave Damashek football program. I hope all's well wherever you are. You know in Studio 66, we're in a festive mood. Why? Obviously, football season's here. College football soon after. Pro football will be upon us. In between those two events, I will be conducting my league of record draft. I did win for anybody who is aware my fantasy league last year. And in this particularly in this particular league, I have kick out power on the night of the draft Tuesday, two nights before the NFL season begins properly. I shall announce then and there who I'm kicking out and not a moment before. And the best part about it is we do it so close to the start of the season that you have no time to get into another league. So you're sort of left without fantasy football on the eve of football season beginning. Anyway, Dave, drop a couple of names. Who who could you potentially be kicked out? Be kicking out that people might have heard of the Dutch Mook, right? Tall John, Tall John could be one of those. Randy, Randy uh, could be Simmons, the right. sports guy, right? Could be Sal, right? You know, that's just some of the people. That's just some of the people you could. Our new colleague here at NFL Media, Brian Barton. Just joined the fold here. Terrific basketball player. Not as good at uh, fantasy football, and that will be a part of my calculation. It's not merely uh, uh, some uh, old vendetta. You know, it's it's, I want to win again. The savvy owner is going to choose people that are his direct competition, right? Anywho. That would be the smartest thing. You hear his voice there. It's handsome Hank Hodgson. Me, him, and Eddie Spaghetti are all about to break down for you. Our NFC six seeds going to the playoffs, one through six. All this, uh, with all due respect to the people who rank one through 32, the football teams, it's not college football. Of course, the only thing that matters in pro football is who gets to play in January and in what order and so on. You get that, and we're going to go 
over all of that. First, though, I'm very excited about this because I'm about to speak with the gambler, Ken Rogers from NFL Films. He is the showrunner for Hard Knocks, one of the most spellbinding seasons, and that's saying quite something about uh, HBO's great Hard Knocks show. And uh, so we're going to chop it up with him. And in fact, handsome uh, Eddie Spaghetti, I encourage you, nay, demand that you take this opportunity to really pour over your seeds, make sure you got everything, all your ducks in a row, while I talk to the gambler, Ken Rogers. Here we go, talking about the Cleveland Browns preseason on Hard Knocks. You're listening to Dave Damashek. You're listening to Dave Damashek. You're listening to Dave Damashek. Do you guys ever think or is the has uh, sort of um, the uh, the industry kind of moved on from producing something like that? Do you guys ever think about doing something along the lines of what uh, Callus and Sable used to do? You know, they uh, those I mean, they would really, you know, experiment with silliness and everything. But I, I mean, that was a staple for me growing up. I always saw that show. But I don't know. Can you still still sell things? Can you still syndicate shows like that? You'd need a home for it, right? Yeah, I mean, I think the closest th- these days might be Good Morning Football sort of has that vibe Yeah, uh, of having fun and recapping stuff, but being um, loose and, and fun about it. Uh, inside the NFL is not like that anymore. NFL Films Presents is really the show that came out of that show, but now that's more of a magazine show. Uh-huh. I've always wanted to, to put together a midnight show that shows all of old classic NFL films, goofy material from the vault. Mystery Science Theater 3000 style. Yeah. Steve Sable's vault and just show incredible old stuff because I, I walk into the vault sometimes and see things that uh, I just want to see what it is. You know, it'll be listed as like Muhammad Ali jogging. And I'm like, what, when did we shoot Muhammad Ali jogging? You know, it's, we have so much sports history here, not just football. Yeah, that oh man, that uh, that's awesome. Yeah, I I spend uh, weird amounts of time doing things like that, looking up that those kind of bits, or those kind of segments from because I used to get the VHS of that when we when we first got a VCR at my house. I, those were my purchases, were the football follies and all those. And um, yeah, I I love going on YouTube. It's amazing the games you can access on YouTube, full game broadcasts. It's so much fun to go back and and uh, pour over those. I just watched the 79 uh, AFC title game in Three Rivers. In fact, I mean, the graphics are awesome. Merlin Olsen is awesome. Uh, Mike Adamley down on the field. And uh, they talks to Merlin talks to Bum Phillips and Bum has his 10 gallon hat on. It's just the greatest. It's just the best. But And we try to keep in mind, not just on Hard Knocks, but on all of our programming, that there's a kid somewhere watching current highlights and hearing the sounds of the players and the images of players. And they are going to look back with nostalgia the way we look back at that age. Uh, I'm a little younger than you, 44, but I I remember going to church um, father son nights and they would play the bloopers up on, uh, on the screen. And that's father son bonding moments. Church would be that. And uh, seeing, Steve and, and Harry and all those people and hearing Facenda in my dreams and all that stuff. We hope to, to keep that going, even though the classics are gone, 
the kids today hopefully are going to look back at the age of Brady versus Manning and say, wow, that nothing was better than when that was on NFL films, uh, you know, shows or if their highlight films or, um, you know, nothing was as good as Hard Knocks, Rex Ryan. You know, I, I, as a Jets fan, I grew up, that was the touchstone for me. And I hope they look back at YouTube or whatever is YouTube 20 years from now and try to find that stuff and, and want to relive that nostalgia because that's part of why we all love football. Well, yeah, I mean, as a little kid, for me, I think a key factor in me remaining, sustaining my my uh, diehard status as a little kid, uh, coming off of the late 70s, I'm in Pittsburgh, the Steelers win the two Super Bowls in 78 and 79. It was easy to be a football fan then, but as they start to fade away, the thing that really boosted it was watching the NFL film stuff and, uh, and Dawson and Bonacani on Inside the NFL every week that was your access to it and it kept my interest uh you know it, it kept the fire going for me as the Steelers became mediocre I still cared just as much about it as uh, as ever we're listening to Facenda and Callis oh just the best it's amazing to go back and, and remember that the generation before us all they saw was the game broadcast. And if they wanted to know what was happening in the rest of the league, they waited for the paper the next day and they maybe saw a box score of, you know, a game that happened in their division. There was no information. There was certainly no sports television. So when Ed and Steve Sable started showing those sort of, um, you know, specials, TV programs, that's when a lot of America started to see football the way they see it now. And, and, up until then, it was really just a, a top shot football game. There was no slow motion. There was no sound from the players mm -hmm. or the coaches. It was very distant. And uh, Steve and Ed ended up bringing us closer to the game. And I think ESPN and ABC Sports and, and all, the, all the advances that happened in sports television would not have happened if people didn't start falling in love with NFL films. There's the old story that uh, – that Rune Arledge saw how our slow motion footage was being used and said, well, we should do that. And so slow motion uh, turned into instant replay. You know, he saw how our recap shows were doing well. And he said, wait, we should have those recaps on Monday night halftime. And Howard Cosell should, should talk about what happened in the league yesterday. Another formative experience from my youth was, was being allowed to stay up to hear Cosell do the highlights for two minutes. It was a rare thing. Now, look we're, at Chuck Foreman go. We're in a world where you can see everything, except that's where we think Hard Knocks and these type of shows come in. Is you can see everything on the field now. You can see every play that's ever happened. But do you really get to know who the players are? Do you get to to know them as men, not names on the back of your uniform? Oh, that's uh, an interesting pivot that I have. Good. Yeah, no, that's fascinating. I haven't really acknowledged that that's exactly right, that you guys did kind of make a, a philosophical turn towards the off-the-field stuff, yeah. Well, it's more like the 70s version of NFL films built men into myths, and now we're trying to do the opposite, which is, listen, of course they get paid very good money to play a kid's game, and wouldn't we all want to grow up and play football for a living? But if you really study them, they're just men. They're just trying to get a job, keep a job, do well at their job, not get fired, um, 
do well for their family, earn a living, and all of it's on a national stage and a big business, but they're really not that different from the rest of us. And it's, it's very easy to watch a football game on Sunday and say, oh, these SOBs this and that guy's lazy. and that. But when you look at them on hard knocks and you learn who they are as people, you start looking at them you know, more like friends and, and friends have flaws and uh, friends don't always do the right thing. Sometimes they screw up. Uh, they cause you grief. If you're working on a project together, your coworkers could could do something wrong and you get upset with them, but then you move on and realizing that they're just men really has been the, uh, uh, the core value of Hard Knocks, of just for, forget the name and forget the player and forget the salary. Who's the person? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's uh, kind of how we try to do our show here. Emma VP, uh, we're going to go a little out of order here, uh, Ken, because we we uh, got rolling. But I assume we're, we've been spinning on all this. It would yeah. be funny if we hadn't. I didn't properly introduce you even. I just uh, jumped in on conversation with you. Um, you know, this was an old secret, which I thought you were, I'm sure you were doing, is whenever Steve Sable interviewed someone, he would do exactly what just happened with us is that he would just start talking and a half hour go by and the, the, the person had opened up and talked honestly about whatever was happening because they assumed it was off camera and they would say, okay, well, when are we going to start the interview? And Steve would say, okay, yeah, roll the cameras. Roll the cameras. <laughs> We've been rolling the whole time and we got the best stuff because they didn't know they were on camera. And that's an old Steve Sable trick. How funny, maybe in honor of, uh, in memory of the, of the greatest uh, Steve Sable, maybe we should leave it exactly like this, Emma VP. I think so. Uh, you know what? Yeah, it would be wrong to alter it. But anyway, the voice you're hearing, we introduced him before we actually uh, pulled him up on our big uh, screen here in Studio 66. It is the gambler himself, Ken Rogers. He is the showrunner for Hard Knocks, the AACP over there at NFL Films, uh, one of our favorite places, even though I've never even been there, the, uh, the stuff that you've put out over the decades means a world to me and uh, to millions of other football fans out there. And I did get in touch with full disclosure. I reached out to my man, Keith Cosro, and I said, come on, let's uh, let's uh, uh, promote the the big uh, final episode of Hard Knocks this season. He said, I'd love to be on, but it would be wrong to do that. The gambler's got to be your man. So uh, that's how we we come to be kibitz in here. Keith was a, a great partner on the show and, and a formative uh, partner in, in creating what the show looks like. Uh, it's certainly I, I uh, I'm a little bashful when it comes to the fact that uh, I'm the show head and all when there's over 100 people that work on this show and they're all so important and so vital. And, you know, as Steve used to say, well, someone has to stand out in front. And so for this show, I've, I've sort of become that person, uh, now 11 years into, to being the show head, but, uh, I, I could probably, uh, walk away and the show would be just as good with the next person or, uh, the next four people. I just feel like the show itself 
is what's magical, not not any one person who works on it. Well, whoever's at the top uh, informs how everybody else is, so that speaks well of you. That uh, that uh, it sounds like a a uh, egalitarian kind of approach there that uh, makes everybody who works on it better. Let's do some specific stuff here. The first issue I wanted to talk to you about about what we've seen so far in Hard Knocks. Tyrod Taylor, big to do about how dare Hugh Jackson put Tyrod Taylor, who a few minutes before falls on his wrist. I mean, the way it plays, you think, well, he's just shattered his wrist. If you didn't know the story, you would assume, well, that guy just, uh, his season just ended. He just uh, ruined his his left wrist there. And then we see him in the x-rays and he comes back out. And Hugh is taking a lot of heat for putting his, uh, his, his starting quarterback back in. I suspect that Tyrod Taylor insisted on it, understanding who Wally Pipp is, who Drew Bledsoe is, and so on, and knowing that he's got the first overall pick, Baker Mayfield, and if he spends too much time out on the field and plays well in August, this could propel Hugh and company to feel like we got to go with Mayfield here. Sorry, Tyrod. And and uh, Tyrod, Tyrod, whichever one you come down on there. Um, the uh, I think he wanted in, and Hugh likes it like like the um that it prevents him it, it gets in the way of him having to answer those questions i told you tyrod's my guy see he's my guy is that was there anything in the that we missed in the story uh that as we saw it play out on hard knocks no and i i think you're exactly right what was going on in both mindsets but it was an unspoken thing ah. uh it was clear that Tyrod wanted to get back in the game. Uh, we had the audio of him. As soon as the x-ray said negative, he he wanted to get back out there, get me back out there. Uh, you know, a percentage of that might be Baker, but I'm sure if there was someone else behind him, he would have, you know, said the same thing. He, he wants to get as much time with this starting offense as possible. Um, had he been a, a fifth-year player in the same system, maybe he would have said, hey, I'm, I'm good for the night. But you know, he needs that time. He needs that time out, out on the field. And I, I got the sense that they had a set amount of time that they were going to keep him out there. And when he came back and said, I'm good, it was, all right, we'll continue with the plan. There's no need to, to stop what our plan was. Um, you know, you, you can't play through fear. You know, you can't, you can't worry about the fear of what could happen. Otherwise you'd never put any of your starters out there. Uh, so I think all that, all those things that you described went through Hugh Jackson's mind, through Tyrod's mind. Baker was probably on the sideline having his own thoughts of, oh, oh so here we go. Um, and none of it was spoken because in these sort of situations, you have a, you have a game plan. Here's what we're going to do. And then as long as nothing interrupts that game plan, you keep with it. Um, so I don't think there was any second thoughts that certainly that we saw there might have been internally but they weren't voiced and do you say i mean by the way uh i feel like when you have cameras pointed at you all the time it would be easy people forget that that's the standard for celebrities out on the street or or players in the locker room how could he be so dumb to say something like that doesn't he know well when they're always there it's hard to never say something even if it's snarky or mean-spirited if everybody's always watching you you might let something slip through i've been actually impressed by baker mayfield he has not slipped one and said, 
well, I want the starting job. You know, I'm better than Ty. There's, there hasn't been a hint of that, right? Yeah, there's, there's two things there. One, one, we always tell the teams when they ask about hard knocks, well, is it going to be a distraction? Uh, which every team that's been on the show admits, okay, it wasn't a, a, a distraction. That if you want to get where you are going to be in the National Football League, if you're going to get to the playoffs, if you're going to be having media day in the Super Bowl, if you're going to uh, be picked as the Cinderella story of the year or even start turning an 0-16 team around, you're going to have a lot of attention on you. Hmm. The cameras are going to be rolling all the time. Five cameras at practice shooting you, you guys working out, some uh, robo cameras in the meeting rooms. If that if that's a distraction, then maybe you're not ready for where you want to go. And every team has really understood that and realized, oh, this isn't a distraction. We, we want to embrace this. We are who we are. Let's, let's be confident. Let's act ourselves. Let's not put on a show for the cameras and let's just move forward. And if, if, if people respond, great. And if not, oh, well, you know, uh, secondly, that's Baker's some sell job, though, man. That's that really is a great angle to present to the teams. You think this yeah. is a lot? Then don't go to a Super Bowl because you aren't going to want that kind of attention. Then, well, that started. Let me let me go back and t- and tell the origin of that philosophy, which was in uh, the late '60s, uh, 1967 season. Steve Sable went to Green Bay to shoot training camp with the Packers, uh, and Coach Lombardi was uh, had agreed to to do a film called Lombardi that aired on CBS that year uh the classic you you can hear the vo- voice in your head Lombardi the the name still echoes through the the generations the that film started with training camp so Steve Sable went and shot a day of training camp and at the end of practice Vince Lombardi said to him Steve I want you to come back tomorrow and shoot practice again and Sable apologized and said, "I, Coach, we only brought enough film for one day. We only planned to shoot one day. We're, you know, our plane's taken off in the morning. We don't." And Vince stopped him and said, "Listen, these guys practice harder than they practice all camp <laughs> because you guys were here shooting them. I don't care if there's no film in the camera. You point it towards them. I'll see you tomorrow." And Steve showed up the next day. He wasn't going to say no to, to Vince Lombardi. So we shot a second day. I should say we acted like we shot a second day uh, of Packers training camp just because Vince Lombardi felt like the cameras helped the urgency, helped the, the concentration. No one was going to be seen slacking off with a, with a film camera around, which back then was pretty new. Now, going to what I was going to say, Baker is a good example of how that philosophy has now transcended film cameras. These guys grow up on camera, uh, on phone, on a mobile device their whole lives. They're used to this now. It's really not, um, not hard for them to act themselves because they are part of a generation that grew up with cameras pointing at them all the time. I think we've sort of passed the generation that uh, sort of got caught doing things that they might normally do mm. because they were no longer aware. They, they weren't aware that cameras are now everywhere. 
this generation is very well aware of it. The, the, the younger the player on hard knocks, the more comfortable they are with, oh, yeah, there's cameras around. Okay. They're, they're so used to it. Um, Baker Mayfield's had his own, you know, uh, follow doc reality show. Um, a lot of these players say to our crews on set, oh, boy, I, I've grown up watching Hard Knocks. Uh, you know, I remember when I was uh, 12 years old when Rex Ryan was on. And, and we all <laughs> sort of say, Wait, what? When, when you were 12? That's and angering, us, yeah. makes us feel old, but we think, oh, yeah, that was about nine years ago. Yeah, yeah, and you're 21. Wow. Wow. So these, these kids grew up watching Chad Johnson say, child, please, at, at 11, 12. They saw Rex Ryan get a snack at, at age 12, 13. And now they're coming into the league and really hard knocks for them is like, oh yeah, hard knocks. I know all about hard knocks. This do they though, what, what that, I was going to ask you that. Do you feel though that they get that, that they're savvy enough that they know, hey, this could sing. This could really make me famous if I drop this line appropriately. Do you feel anybody doing that? Does anybody ever say, hey, can you give me five minutes? Because I, I, I'm going to do something here that's going to be solid gold for you. Uh, yeah, and that stuff never makes the show. Uh, because, <laughs> because you just sense that they're putting on yeah. a show. Um, and the best characters on Hard Knocks have always been the ones that just are who they are. I mean, from Rex and Chad, everyone who who has learned about Chad Johnson since our show in 2009 or Rex Ryan since 2010 knows that, well, that that was them. They didn't they weren't trying to be good on television. And I think going all the way up to today, if you were to ask people who know Baker or Brogan Roback or Tyrod Taylor, what are these guys acting for the camera, everybody would say, no, no, that's Brogan. That's, that's Tyrod. I mean, they are just used to it. Uh, playing to the cameras is one, not used. So they learn very quickly that we're not interested. We just turn away and say, all right, yeah, listen, this is a documentary show. Two, as soon as a coach sees that sort of stuff. It gets, <laughs> that makes I mean, sense. It, it is. You, let me tell you, if Greg Williams or Todd Haley saw one of their players on offense or defense trying to play around for the camera rather than do their job, uh, we would have had a, a really good scene of them getting yelled at. Uh, I think the players knew well enough not to try. Do you think, though, does anybody ever say to you, it's a, in, in fact, that was a good little uh, subtle conflict throughout the series so far is Haley v. Greg Williams. It's, you know, it's a, it's a, a slow burn. It's not uh, a whole bunch of fire there. But does either of those guys ever say to you after the coaches meeting or, or after the practice where he says, oh, then block them when Greg Williams is yelling. Does Todd Haley ever say, I was right, right? Did you guys see that? They, I was right. He, Greg Williams is wrong, right? I don't think they look to us to determine whether or not they're, they're right. I think they both believe and know for a fact that they were right. Um, and they don't really care what, what it looks like on television or what. I mean, that's that's the sort of personality you have to have to to lead, uh, you know, an offense or defense or a, a whole team, uh, as we saw with Hugh Jackson and, and, and the disagreement that everyone brought up uh, with Todd Haley in episode one. Uh, you know, you have to be confident of this is my job. I'm making this decision. Um, and that's not that different from anywhere else in America. I, I got a lot of feedback saying, oh, my gosh, I can't believe you showed a head coach and an offensive coordinator, you know, disagreeing on a subject. 
And I was a little confused by that and, and asked a couple people, well, don't you have disagreements like that or worse at your workplace? I know I do. I know me and Keith Cosro would scream at each other once in a while. We'd be in conflict. We're trying to do our jobs the best. We're trying to come up with what we think will be great television. And that creates tension. Well, that's what's happening. This That sort of small disagreement in a, in a coach's meeting room, I can guarantee you happens in every meeting room, in every camp across the National Football League and, and most jobs in America. So we try to show those things to, to again, humanize them and say, hey, they might be loud and they might get on their players, but they're not that different than what you and I would be like if we were put in that position. But with, you know, if you compare it to, let's say it's 1980, you know, there would be local media reporting on a team. This quarter, the backup should be playing. I mean, those things are, are old cliches now that the most popular guy in town is the backup QB. But this is much more, uh, you know, much deeper access, obviously, like we're talking about than anybody had 15 years ago. Do you feel like, are you aware of when it's happening? Do you feel any sort of emotion, any responsibility, guilt or other? Otherwise, if a clip is used to help make the case against a coach or against a player, wow, boy, Hugh Jackson did not come off very well there kind of kind of feeling. Uh, I used to a lot. I used to really feel responsible and say, well, how could people misinterpret what we were trying to say? What that's not that we weren't uh, trying to say that at all. And what I learned is no matter what you would show. Players say it all the time. Haters are going to hate. <laughs> it's just its just something that I've learned on this show, uh, how players and coaches must feel. If we showed a clip that showed Hugh Jackson, uh, you know, speaking to a player in a friendly way and caring, they would say, ah, he's, you know, he, he cares too much. He's not, he's not into discipline enough. If we saw him, scream and yell and, and be disciplinary towards a player, they would say, see, that's why they don't, you know, win games is he cares more about yelling about that instead of the players and, and what the players are going. I, it, it's, it's sort of like politics at this point. That's the way I feel is part of sports television and sports media in general has been to create this conversation around things that there's no right or wrong, as, but as long as there's a talking point, that's good for business. Hmm. Um, and Hard Knocks tries to break through that and just say, listen, you know, we're not saying that Baker Mayfield should play. We're not saying Tyrod. We're just showing you what happened. We're not saying that coach is X or coach is Y or that they they handled this situation with, uh, you know, Callaway or, or uh, the trade of Coleman wrong or right. Everyone's going to have a different opinion no matter what we air. So we're just going to air – the facts, the truth. I think back to Chad Johnson being arrested, which was obviously a very tough, um, you know, scene personally for Chad. It was tough for us. You know, it was tough for the coaching staff. Let's remember that's hard for our camera people to stand there and, and know that someone just lost their job. And, and yeah, let me follow this guy out the door. That's, you know, we don't want to do that, mm -hmm. but telling the truth allows a situation like that really to, when you think about that Chad Johnson incident, there's been no echo chamber since then 
since that incident about how it was handled inside the halls of the Dolphins. There's been no lingering controversy over, oh, I wonder if that happened or this happened. We showed you what happened. This was the conversation. And it kind of puts an end to that echo chamber of, of wondering what's happening. And so there's a lot of times during the week where people are talking about the Browns or, or any other Hard Knocks team, and we read or listen to what fans are saying on Twitter or what uh, sports columnists might be postulating, and we say, well, uh, we can see why they feel that way because that's a point of view, but that's not actually what's happening you know, behind the scenes. And coaches, I think, now have the line of it doesn't matter. You know, I'm not going to try to please everyone. Um, and so they don't fight back very often of uh, against those things. They'll answer the questions, but they know that whatever they say, they're going to be get called out by some segment of the fan base as being wrong, uh, of, of making the wrong decision or acting the wrong way. And so I've actually stopped feeling guilty about things and felt more pride in showing the objective cinema verite as it happened moments and let everyone have their own point of view because the coach, uh, the other coach that's arguing with them, the player that gets yelled at, all that, the best thing we can do is present it exactly as it happened and not try to editorialize and say, oh, this, this means the coach cares or this means the player you know, is, is getting better. We, we, don't, we don't say that. It's just about here's what happened. Uh, and I think that's why the show feels as real as it as it does. So the goal is basically be as comprehensive as you possibly can about the key storylines of uh, of this team. Basically, Verite, right? yeah. And right. it's hard because we capture 400 hours uh, for every one hour. That I makes can't imagine. Sense. Yeah, I can't imagine how much you have to pour through. So we 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 kind of try to get a, a a one hour show that's representative of what happened. You know, there's. There's people once in a while now that will call or, or write me and say, hey, I don't understand. I want to see the running backs. You're missing the biggest story. Carlos Hyde and Duke Johnson and, and Chubb is a rookie. What, what are you doing? And we say, well, yeah, we could do three hours on those guys every week, but we could do three hours on everybody, on the entire team. I mean, there's 90 people there. And someone like Brogan Roback, fourth string quarterback, is just as interesting. Oh, delightful fella, by the way. Yes, you landed on you. You really landed on something there. I'm glad you gave him uh, a little bit of run there amidst all the the big storylines. Do any coaches? You kind of answered this, but I am curious. Do any coaches say to you, PR guys, GMs, or otherwise? Does anybody ever say to you with a tough issue or whatever? Hey, I really liked the way Team Blank came off a couple of years ago. How did they handle stuff like that? Is anybody uh, looking for tips, uh, pros and cons on how things are going to, uh, to play to the nation. The closest that we come to that is coaches usually bring up, uh, previous coaches, GMs might bring up previous GMs or owners or really anyone and say, well, but I'm not really like that. Um, you know, whether it's, I'm not, I'm not like Rex, I'm not going to be a funny guy all the time. Um, or, you know, quarterbacks to say, well, you know, I'm not going to, that's not my thing, what, what that person was doing. And we say, yeah, we know. That's why you're on the show this year. Mm -hmm. We don't want you to act any differently. 
who you are will come across. Trust us because we've done this long enough. We don't have to show much and it's very clear who you are uh, by just being yourself. And we will pick the moments that best represent your personality so that people get who you are. The more you try to control that, the less it will feel real and the less it's going to feel like you. So you don't want to try to act like Rex Ryan and be entertaining. And you don't want to try to be a hard ass like Bill O'Brien. You want to be you. And as long as it comes off genuine, people are going to like you. Uh, that's just the way it is. And I don't know that like the coaches in particular don't care about being liked, but they care about being accurately portrayed. They, you know, everyone wants to make sure, hey, you're not going to, you, you know, you're not going to want me to do this. Right. And we said, we don't want you to do anything. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to put we're going to put the wire on you and you're going to go out to practice and you're going to coach. And that's it. Don't we don't have there's no direction. There's no screenplay. There's no uh, prompts. Nothing is set up. You just do what you're going to do. The only difference is allow our cameras to capture it so that America can see it. And they learn very quickly to just let it go and say, well, if they don't want me to do anything, I'll just go back to doing what I was doing, which is my job. And that's what gets it so natural. So people don't really ask for advice. What, they, what they're worried about, though, is that we have expectations or advice for them. And once we tell them we have no advice, we don't, we don't want you to do anything in particular. We don't care who rooms with who. We don't care who's on the roster. You just act like we're not here. They get much more comfortable with the whole idea. Um, like we say, you've covered, um, uh, you know, all manner of human stuff that transcends just uh, whether or not you make a roster. Michael Kendrick starts the week off with uh, with some big news. I obviously know the cameras are rolling all around that. Will we see that covered in the finale? Uh, it certainly was a, um, a presence at camp and something that, you know, caught us by surprise. Uh, here's what I know is that if it's some of the most compelling 60 minutes, it, it certainly will be, uh, in the show. And I think the the reaction to it when it comes to how the team deals with it is a valuable part of what makes hard knocks, hard knocks of, okay, you know, what was said, how, how was it said? Um, I don't know that we'll get into the backstory of, of what the allegations are or anything like that. And, and you know, interview any district attorneys or anything like that. Mm. Uh, the news has already got that covered. We're, we're going to probably show how the team reacts to it. Um, and really this, it's a, this show in particular, the fifth episode is one that we always, always fight for time because all of these stories are coming to an end. Especially you know? now with the cuts all being made in the, in the big final episode. <laughs> Exactly. We used to have in episode four, a cut down to 75 players. Now it goes straight from 90 to 53. And so we're going to find out the fate of all the people that we've been following uh, in one foul swoop. Plus all those players are playing a lot of time in the game against the lions. Uh, so th this show is usually the one that is the hardest to get down to an hour because there's so many things you have to do. You have to show what happens to Broken Roback or Devin Kajust. It you you can't say uh something big happened in the news, so we'll save Devin Kajust for show six. There is no show six. Whatever happens with him, we 
we want to show. So the answer is, I think so. Uh, but we never know until really Monday is when we start really knowing what's going to be in the show Tuesday night. Amazing that turnaround that you have to make every week for uh, for those five weeks annually. Uh, I imagine I jo- uh, America joins me. Everybody is going to be on the edge of their seat for Kajust. I assume his dad's going to make the trip to be around. Uh, his dad will be in the show, I believe. Yes. Ah, interesting. Uh, that's our hope. Um, hasn't um, happened yet. Has, you know, we're, we're still a couple days away from final cuts, uh, anything like that. So um, I would love to get him in the show and um, see him again. That relationship was, was great. Um, and that, that, that would be great if we can do that. Um, I'm sure it's something we're going to try. Yeah. And, and, you know, certain narratives emerge over the course. Like you say, they emerge and you're just are covering them. Guys like Bob Wiley. I mean, you know, did you know going in that he was going to be somebody? We should keep our eye on this one. He's a he's a character. Did it just present itself to you? No, we knew, um, you know, we do a lot of research and and really we're, we're familiar with teams through the 50 plus years that we've been working with the people in the NFL and uh, on a, on an annual basis, doing the wires for inside the NFL, making features for NFL films presents, doing breakdowns for turning point, all the programming that we do, you know, doing football life episodes, just so many times we're around teams. We really get to know as an institution, the other institutions where we sort of, uh, back in the day, they used to call us the uh, the the other franchises. So now, I mean, I think you could call NFL Films the the uh, the 33rd franchise because we're, we're this long-standing institution that has a relationship with all the teams. So we knew uh, Coach Wiley. Um, we knew he was a great character. Um, and to be honest, it, it sounds crazy to believe now, but in show one and two, we thought. He's just short of the best 60 minutes that goes together. Uh, we had obviously a lot of a, a lot of uh, you know touchy subjects with Hugh Jackson's mother passing away and things like that that were that were really tied to that week. And we said we have to you know we have to do justice to those, uh, make sure those stories are told this week because it happened this week. Um, and show three when we just we we had been following Coach Wiley when we heard his um feelings on stretching we thought okay this is <laughs> this is time it's time um it was it was a lock as soon as we heard that because we said this is something that's going to tell you as i said before exactly who bob wiley is we don't have to explain anything you just let him speak and you know what type of guy he is and and anyone who's been around offensive line uh, play or coaches in their career knows that he is the prototypical uh, line coach. Uh, yeah, he he's really uh, one of the best guys. I mean, and, and really a, a season of uh, some some fascinating personalities. Last question, because we've kept you long enough. Do you get a sense? I, I mean, I've got to guess you do. I don't know if you'll tell us what you think, but you must have a sense after doing this year in and year out which teams are looking good. I often, I have long said, 
I, and I'm trying to think of what season finally broke me of this habit. But if you watch Hard Knocks, you would come away with the idea with almost without fail. Oh, well, this team really has a great shot at the Super Bowl. I don't know why I come away with that impression every season, but yeah, yeah maybe you're rooting for it or whatever. Do you have a sense of if the 2018 Cleveland Browns will be good? I can tell you why you feel that every year. Tell. It's because they believe that every year. Right. Every team before the season starts has to have that belief. And when they have the belief that they are going to be a great team, you can sense it on screen. And so you can watch the Browns right now and who knows what's going to happen with them, but they believe that it's going to be a great season. They believe there's a possibility of them going all the way. But does the gambler know the answer? (laughs) And I've learned that I know nothing. Because there's been, there there have been teams, uh, you know, that ended up not having a good season that uh, and teams that had a great season. I felt the same about them every year. I thought, I think this team, this this is a good team. This is they really gelled over this summer. And that's really just because I really do believe there's no team out there of the 32 teams that after this weekend is going to be saying, Boy, I hope we can just be eight and eight. That would be good. Like the, they don't think that. They, I agree they that that's true. The, the Browns aren't thinking. Oh man, if we can just get to five wins, everybody would say we did a pretty good job. They they just don't. And I think that, that it's funny that we all project those uh, lines of what would be a, a, a success and a failure for a team each year because I think inside every organization, it's at the very least we're going to the playoffs and for most teams, even the Browns, it's probably, well, we want to win the Super Bowl. Why, why would we set a goal less than the ultimate goal? Um, and <laughs> I, I feel that way towards them right now, which is, wait, I think they're going to be pretty good. It's amazing. Uh, that is one of the key things that has for me uh, in talking to pro football players, uh, it's not just the superhuman gifts, Although chicken or the egg, perhaps it's the superhuman physical attributes that allow them to think that way. But you're exactly right. They do not have the same level of self-doubt that most human beings operate under uh, as they go through life. It's only until like by the maybe Halloween and they're one in six that they're like, I don't know if it's going to work out this year. But even then yeah. they continue to they stay. They, they're not filmmakers. We have we're the opposite as filmmakers. We have complete self-doubt and drive ourselves crazy with anxiety that, well, we, this is going to be terrible. We need to make it better. What are we going to do? And so that keeps us up at night to do well. They thrive on success and on the fact that they have succeeded just getting here. They are among the best of the best. So now they want to go out and be the best of the best of the best. Mm. Um, It's a mindset that, you know, is pretty amazing to watch. And, when you're around it long enough, you realize that there are no losers in the National Football League. Coaching, GMs, players, they are all at the very, very top of their profession. It's a, this thin slice of success, and someone's got to be at the bottom of that. And even an 0-16 team, you come away from the next season's you know, training camp thinking, hey, this could really happen. This, mm-hmm. These guys are great. 
Yeah, well, uh, that that mentality, that worldview is endlessly intriguing to me. You guys are the gold standard for providing the world a look into it. Thanks so much for the time, man. Really interesting stuff. I feel like it's just the tip of the iceberg. We got to get the gambler back on for another conversation. Emma VP, ASA, Ampy, maybe you and Cosro could sit next to one another and we'll kibitz about all of it. Until then, though, like I say, man, uh, congratulations on another magnificent season of Hard Knocks, one that a lot of people, not just me, are saying is maybe the best one ever, and that's saying quite a thing. But you know what? My opinion that should matter for a lot because I'm one of the great TV watchers I've ever known in my life. Maybe the best. That You should put that on your headstone. That's a good one. And yeah. uh, our, our plan, honestly, is to have eventually every NFL team to have appeared on Hard Knocks, so... I'll be here for years talking about. All right, great. Uh, and and you know what? If it, you know, the, you, you like to have that powerful voice with some great gravity, as you can hear, Damashek's got the goods there. If you want me to to talk over your your stuff, I'm more than happy to. Well, there, maybe we need to have a talk with Leah Schreiber and tell him. He's I mean, he's home. good. John Ham, good. Harry Callis was a spectacular, was spectacular. Facenda, the best of all time. But Damashek, you know, like uh, Lombardi. The name, you know, like that. See, you see, you can just feel like there are 27 teams in the National Football League, and then there are the Pittsburgh Steelers. Sounds my good. Favorite line ever. Yeah, that's, that's my favorite, favorite yeah. line ever too. I think you really speak to a to a a portion of our audience. It's a very small portion, but it's a portion. <laughs> I just I just want to drive around and live my life scored by NFL Films music. Sam Spence is where it's at in my book. Hey, Ken Rogers, thank you very much. And like I said, congratulations on another magnificent season of Hard Knocks, man. Thanks for watching. We'll All right, hopefully we'll uh, catch up sooner rather than later. All right, there he goes from, uh, from I mean, just the stuff behind the memo VP. All the bobbles and everything. I'm jealous of that. All right, let's get into it now. Handsome Hank, Eddie Spaghetti, and me making our NFC picks. All right. I listen. I you know what? No jive. The no jive policy requires that I tell you this. I could ask you, handsome and spaghetti, now in Studio sixty six, to uh, to weigh in on what you thought. How you thought that interview? I thought it went. was awesome, Dave. No, no, I really no. liked all the questions you asked and all of Kenny's answers. You jumped the gun there. Wow. Okay. Because I was uh, just just about to say we didn't do it yet. We haven't actually had the interview yet. We're doing it out of order, so that rings phony. What you just did. I think Hank's upset. Well, I mean, listen, I I I appreciate the effort. Uh, I certainly, as a thespian myself, star of network television programs, um, I, you know, I, I respect your ability to, to put yourself out there like that. It was a courageous move, um, but, uh, but also no jive. You know, that's I, the I, rule here. I feel exposed. Hey, speaking of exposed potentially, I, uh, I'm a little bit worried today because last night, I um I took a handful. There was a Have you seen this uh, this uh snack phenomenon the half pop popcorn? You can now buy it pre-made. What, what is that for? I don't know exactly, but it was in the house and I thought, "All right, you know what? It uh, I'm I'm in the mood for a salty little snack." And so I took a handful of it and I put it in my mouth and it had it was cheese. So it was like cheddar cheese half pop popcorn pre pre-packaged, pre-made, obviously. I throw a handful into my mouth, and it didn't taste right, and I thought, well, that just must be what it's supposed to taste like, and I ingested it, and then I looked at the bag, and uh, my eyes are bad, and it said October of 2018, and uh, I thought, well, okay, so I 
just barely made it. And then, uh, and then, uh, my girlfriend, uh, 10 minutes later said, why is this bag out? It's, it went bad in 2016. No one should oh, be eating no. this. So who knows? I might vomit by the end of the show. <laughs> I might uh, be taken down by food poisoning. If I could, uh, I, if I could take one food stuff out of circulation entirely, it'd be popcorn. Really? It's oh, the no. most pointless, like it's the most pointless food on earth. Hot food takes from handsome Hank. Here I we just, go I again. I don't have any others. I just like popcorn. You already have denounced pretzels. What are you talking oh, about? Pretzels, You've already attacked another snack Pretzels item. are utterly ridiculous. But popcorn is just useless. What do you do with the movies? Not eat popcorn. I would eat Swedish fish or um, minstrels Same. or, you know, choc- uh, chocolate food stuff. Like popcorn doesn't, it doesn't fill you up. You might as well just eat air, which is lightly flavored of cardboard. With all due respect to, to uh, Chex Mix, and Chex Mix is, is uh, very good, but I go one step further and have since adolescence with Shex Mix. Shex Mix takes, like most things, the endeavor of like, let's combine these things. Oh, that's a great idea. Do that. But they miss with the specifics right. of what goes into the Chex Mix. Mm-hmm. In the Shex Mix, I put the, you know, I like to get uh, some uh, some peanuts in there, maybe some honey roasted. Definitely. It, yeah, it would be nice. Yeah, some, some spicy ones. Do you ever have some spicy peanuts? They're very good. Hot you know, peanuts. You know what else are like terrific? Are uh, are the mustard crumbles mm-hmm. of pretzels? Yep. Those are really good. Yeah, you throw those in there. Maybe some wasabi of those little wafers oh, that yep. are popular now. Those are pretty good. The point is, you can really pick and choose, but don't be beholden. And I, you know, I'm not trying to take away from big business here, especially if if uh, Chex Mix would ever like to get in business with Sheck. We could uh, Sheck's does Chex feel Mix. like a natural. Um, I mean, we really should be reaching out. What are we doing? You know, what are we doing, Emma VP? I don't know. Do that, Emma. Call the commissioner Call the and let them know about this gold mine of an opportunity. Call the Chex Mix people now. I'll do that right now. I'll do it in front. I'll do it to like, hey, who's ready for some football? It's the Falcons. It's the Eagles presented by Chex Mix. Anyhow, we'll see how that goes. Anyway, let you know what? We didn't say a proper hello to him. Let's, Let's uh, do not it bother right. with that. Let's just get give into me, the meat. Of give this me three. Day. Give me oh, so three bars. Meat. Oh, yeah. So, so you're into, into those meat sticks. You'll eat I do those. like a pepperoni. You I don't like know a if jerky? that's what it's called here. I, I don't mind jerky. What are the, but the stick, the, like the reconstituted meat. Here. It's called pepperoni here. No, in a, in a, in a, Oh, a skinny one. Yeah, a skinny one. What are those things called? What do you call those? You can get them in the Slim store. Jim? Slim Jim? Uh, Slim Jim, yeah. 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 Something like that, or a close cousin of uh, of Jerky. Um, they were called pepperoni. Who came up with I that name, from. Jerky? Some Weisenheimer. Name and food, yeah. Jerky. You know, like, it's so good, you're still going to eat it, even though it's Jerky. Meantime, I'm still I'm still upset. Let's about get into it. the meat of it, Dave. I'm, I'm still upset about how my, my friends cheese, corn... And what's the other one, MOVP? Look oh at her throw her head back. She's so disgusted. Go ahead. Uh, ham. It's and ham. ham. Hammy, yeah. Ham, corn, and cheese are all delicious, handsome. Why are they, they then used as a pejorative yeah. statement about nerds? You're I hammy. Won. You're cheesy. You're, You're corny. corny. All right. You know what is it? Dave, I meant that. I want to do our <laughs> NFC picks. Before we jump into them, though, I was having a conversation with somebody, and it occurred to me, you know how all their downtrodden sports franchise – oh. My head's all over the place after that tremendous Ken Rogers interview. Um, let Real quick, let's say hello to our Dolphins uh, friend here. It's Handsome Hank. That's enough. I just wanted to establish it. It's not right to not do right, that. Okay. And then seated the Handsome's immediate left, our resident New York Giants fan. And if you don't believe it, 
well, look at what Jersey's wearing. He's wearing number 13, Odell Beckham. It's our pal, usually behind the glass. Sometimes we bring him out on special occasions. It's Eddie Spaghetti. What's the proof, fella? Uh, how to wear uh, OBJ today. Show him a little uh, support. I'm very excited to make our NFC uh, pick, so maybe I'm giving too much away, but you know, we'll, we'll see where it goes. 13 oh, and great. 3. People uh, love bias, you know? I mean, Handsome and like I, I said, we'll say it's a tease. are dedicated. We, we play this straight down the line. Um, I do want to say this about fan bases, not uh, your Giants, but the other team that plays in that stadium. People, and maybe it's partially owed to that, it is very strange that for, what is it now, 30 years since Shea closed, that there's a pro football team that plays in a stadium named for another pro football mm. team. Well, now it's MetLife. I know, but, but you know, it's all blue and everything, right, yeah. isn't yeah. it? I, it's 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 they're playing in a what is essentially another team stadium. That's got to create some some self esteem issues. And their fan base loves to talk about how they're jinxed or they're unlucky. The downtrodden fan bases do this. But it occurred to me, I'm sure uh, Jets fans are fully aware of this at this point. But isn't it wild that how the the good luck that the New York Jets have had for real? Think it through if you don't believe me. First, Leonard Williams falls to them in the draft improbably. Everybody says, oh, that's the best player in the draft. And somehow he slides all the way down to the Jets. That good fortune is followed up by the best defensive player in the in the next draft, Jamal Adams mm-hmm. falling to them at number five. And it, well, because the Bears take Mitch Trubisky, other choices, and then uh, and then you wind up with uh, Jamal Adams landing in uh, in the green. And now this year they trade up and they didn't. I, I don't think they could have anticipated that Sam Darnold was going to be there. Maybe Baker Mayfield. I don't know what they were anticipating. But now Sam Darnold, who I you know I tell you all the time, don't buy the month long lie that is preseason football. It will it will uh, warp your brain into certain um, into certain beliefs that will not exist come regular season. However, Sam Darnold has looked great in the regular season. So don't hang your head, Jets fans. In you, the preseason, everything's breaking. Right for you, and now the Teddy B thing. They're a good. That's not luck. That's savvy on uh, McCagney. Yeah, but they've also done a terrible job of drafting over the years. They, they they have some really good hits, and then they have really bad misses, like Golston and Sanchez, bad misses. But then the hits, like they had Revis, Mangold. Yeah, but we're done. With, the we're done. With, but we're past that era now. We're not. We're we're done with. I mean, we're officially past the Rexy years with the Sanchez and Golston and all that jazz. This is a new era team starting fresh, and you cannot claim that the football gods are against you any longer. That's the point of my statement, Jets fans. We'll see. I mean, th- their roster is is bad. I don't Outside think the team's going to be good. Like- we'll get to our AFC picks. Next on the uh, on the next episode of DDFP, but to the here and now NFC seedings. Let's get into it. How shall we do this, Emma VP? Should we start at six and work our way up? Everybody feels Definitely. like something you should have worked out ahead of time. Dave. I, uh, you know what? But that's not the way I do it. That's no, not the no. way I do things. I I let the, the audience in right as we build these things. You know, we're not some polished slick. Can we know, go division by division? And tell who we think is going to win okay, the division and what fine. their record's going to be, and then tell you what the two wildcard teams. I like are going where to be. your head's at. Okay. How's that sound, Emma? I Sounds love great. it. Does that sound good? Emma to you? Emma doesn't care. I love it so much. Keep it going. All right, Emma VP is busy reading her uh, tweet mentions. Yeah, her own. <laughs> yeah, she's she's way check into, out the broadcast. Yep. Yeah. Wait, she's what? Definitely good. Just googled herself. <laughs> she, oh yeah, she and her friend Tamposi with the broadcast. How do you spell podcast. sour wine again? <laughs> <laughs> That's what's going through her head. Yeah. All right, the handsome. It's your brilliant idea. What division do you want to start with? I always start with the East. With the NFC East, perennially. Um, 
in the top two, I would say top two or three most compelling divisions in pro football, not just because they command four of our biggest metropolises. Metropoli. Is it Metropoli? I was just thinking about that. I don't think so. I don't know either. Anyway, it, it sounds like it should be. And now, now we've piqued Emma's interest. This is one of those divisions that it happens to be true that you could make a fairly compelling case for all four teams. Now, Darius Geis still being in our nation's capital would have improved their sure. stock. But in the here and now, I still don't think you're loco if you tell me you think D.C.'s winning the division. Handsome Hank, you tell me who's winning the division. I believe the Philly Eagles will win the division with okay. a record of 11 wins and five losses. Very nice. Very nice. No threat from who do you think is uh, pressing them the most in the division? The New York Giants. You think the Giants are going to yeah. be good? We'll get to hear your wild card picks. Here, yes, here's the problem with the division because now, well, we'll do our seedings then after. We'll do the seedings So after. you think number two? So that's how we'll that's do it. That's why I told we'll you the do, record. We'll do number one and the division runner up, which will then suggest yes. possible yes. Uh, wild card yeah. action there. Do you think there are two good teams in that division behind the division champ? Oh, it's getting convoluted already. Yeah. So you like the Philadelphia Eagles? I like the Eagles Eagles to win. I think the Giants and the Cowboys are going to be pushing close behind. I'll give you one one, uh, little spoiler alert here to to begin things. Oh, and by the way, next week, be on the lookout for the season premiere. Now in video form, the spoiler alert, I'll be revealing every score Hmm. from the upcoming games early for you as I travel into the very near future, a.k.a. early Tuesday morning of next week to find out how those games are going to play out in week one. Here's a here's a, an early one for you. The two years it goes. The streak goes to two years. Remember when the home team, a.k.a. the Super Bowl champ, always won that season opening game last year. The defending champ lost it. The, the Chiefs, Pats right? got smoked. Yep by the Chiefs, it's going to happen again. The Falcons are going to go into go Philly in and knock and them off. Yes, I think that's going to happen. Spaghetti, you're NFC East champ. Uh, very similar to Hank. I, th- I think the Eagles will win uh, the division around 11 wins. I think early in the season without wins, because he's still a question mark, the defense will carry him strong defense. And I think the rest of the way, once Wentz comes back, he's going to sling that ball around. Uh, and I do think uh, the Giants... The offensive line was my biggest concern, and I think lately with drafting Will Hernandez and they have Jalapio they got from the, the Patriots and then uh, obviously getting um, uh, Nate Solder to play left tackle now, they have too many weapons, and I think they'll be inching at the the heels of the Eagles. I'm not big on the, the Cowboys. I think that Des Bryant, the, the releasing of Des Bryant, will haunt them the entire season. That'll be a storyline that will continue uh, that we did talk about last show. And then uh, I'm just not a fan of the Skins. I think losing their star and guys hurts. Uh, Jordan Reed's is not consistent. He's always injured. Not a lot going on there. I don't love Alex Smith. I think it's a downgrade from Kirk Cousins. So that's how the don't sleep out. on, by the way, but in a world and we keep talking about this lately, but in a world of alleged QB whispers, Andy Reed is in fact one and every QB just about that he's ever worked with has succeeded. And I know Alex Smith, and where was Alex Smith just before that with another guy who really knows how to handle the QBs, Jim Harbaugh. Now he's moving over with Jay Gruden, who's had some success, mixed success, success, but I don't like everything about that roster overall that Alex Smith is going to somehow carry them. Anyway, I do like the Cowboys very much. I'm with you, though, Philadelphia Eagles. I got him at 10 and 6. Next division, handsome. I mean, uh, Eddie Spaghetti. Start he's us handsome off. as well. You can call him handsome. Okay, yeah, that's true. He is, he is Yeah, oh, this is the debut, the impromptu the of the thick cast that you two have yeah. dreamt up. Here. Quick yeah. preview. Because you're both yeah. thick. Oh, and my runner-up, did I say Cowboys? <laughs> Your Giants, I'm sorry to say, I've told you that all offseason, are not going to be in the mix because of... Sing it. I was, sing it, I, I was No playoffs for you. 
I, I was with you for a while. I was down on them, and it, it, I did need the preseason and a little bit of training camp to see the team and hear the reports. And when guys like Sean O'Hara come around here, like, no, man, like they're going to be good, trust me. And then just seeing the reports about the O-line, how the offense looks, and, and Odell Beckham just, you know, he's locked in as, as he's ever been. Uh, I'm pretty excited for them. Okay, but, but, but nothing breaks your will by, like uh, an early season slide, and that's what they're just about uh, – certainly in store for all right spaghetti the honor is yours you choose the division you want to go to next year. uh this one's i think is going to be fun i want to pick the nfc north okay and i my number one overall seed in the nfc is you're in gonna say division, the vikings and i'm gonna say the minnesota vikings. i knew it everybody loves the purple up there I, listen I, I love the people of the twin cities after my week there it was wonderful they those people fully lived up to their reputation they, as they, being a little brave, bit nicer. brave people their defense has so many stars on it but not even that they have uh, now they have Kirk cousins you have dalvin cook coming back and then receiver position you have Thielen and Diggs, and then also have kyle rudolph like that's Really good. I mean, the Steelers have the probably the best triplets, but they have like five guys who you're like, wow, that's that's a that's a really strong group. I love the Vikings this year. I do too. I like them very much. Handsome. That's the way that's you're going t- to. Yeah, that's my that's my winner. And you said number one seed. Overall, so what's your record? I I, I mean, I probably thirteen wins. Thirteen I wins. Think they're strong. You know, they have to play the Packers twice. I'm, they have to play the Lions twice. I'm, nah, yeah, I'm not concerned with the Lions that much. Uh, Stafford's only won like five times versus. 500 teams or more in his career. It is crazy, as a matter yeah. of fact. It's like 5 and 46 or something like that. Uh, our pals uh, from Mixtape, Coley and, right. uh, and Tyler, were talking about that very fact. That is hard to look past. But then again, in defense of Matt Stafford, he's never had really a very good offensive line. He's never had a running game. Mm-hmm. He will this season. Handsome, your NFC North champion. The, the Minnesota Vikings. And the record? I'll, I'll go 12 and 4. 12 and 4. All yep. right. I'm going to go with the Green Bay Packers at 12 and 4. Mm-hmm. I like, I don't love what's behind Devontae Adams. I, you know, even if you're optimistic about what Jimmy Graham's going to do, and I do think he is a legitimate red zone target, and I don't think you should look too closely at how the Seahawks used him and be concerned. And by the way, for what it's worth, injury prone as he was in Seattle, Jimmy Graham in the second half of the season semi-quietly did start to put up uh, handfuls of touchdowns there. I do think he's going to play well. Devontae Adams is a great guy to get in fantasy this season. And what's behind him may be a little lackluster. Fortunately for them, they have the greatest quarterback of all time. They have a nice offensive line, and I really like the defense. Turn it over from Dom Capers. I think that that that, that they needed an infusion of new philosophy. They've got it. I think they get back in what is, I agree, a very tough division. I've got the pack at 12 and 4. Handsome. Did you you see um, Aaron Rodgers, his new contract, obviously, you saw that, but there was um, someone worked out that over the course of his contract, every second of his contract, he earns a dollar. Jeez. Hmm. Must be nice. Must be nice. Yeah, well, then, uh, you know, when people bellyache about how much football players or NBA guys make or whatever, you know, I, I don't know if you noticed, it's a, it's a very rare skill. Right. If anybody is worth it and people are paying the I, I just never get the, the cynicism. Oh, I'm not mad. Oh, these guys. The best thing, just like, uh, these guys. Blue oh, how dare guy they? You would really, like, jobs. if you parked your car, if you parked your car, you know you put the money in the meter and it's like 25 cents and that's got you 12 minutes, you'd be like, I'm cheating you. I guys. agree. but That what, would be how I would think what, about it. What should like, make you wring your hands more is that other podcasters or other broadcasters may make 20 times what you make because that's something that's accessible to you. It is not, not true. You get, oh, I wish that were me. Wish I were Odell. Yeah, well, we all do. We all wish we had yeah. superhuman physical gifts. Yeah. 
I mean, I haven't ever been paid a cent to be on this podcast, so oh, every cool. every single person uncomfortable. All yeah. right, I'm going to work on that. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. Uh, so I have the Packers, and I will say that the number two team in that division might be the Vikings, might be the Lions. I think they both happen to be good. Why are you year. low in the Vikings? I'm not low on them at all. But you have the, if you I have, have to sing songs about Kirk Cousins and I what just, he's going to do with the additional pressure that I don't care what anybody says is absolutely for real. You're a $30 million man. Now you have to play like a $30 million man. You cannot be a supporting cast member here. Although the real trick to these Vikings is not Cousins. It's Dalvin Cook in years two. That's the biggest yeah. factor yeah. Oh, for my, them. Uh, Dave, draft Dalvin Cook. Good tip. Good tip, handsome. What division do you want to talk about next? <laughs> Let's talk year? about the best division in football, the NFC South. The NFC South. I can't agree with you that it's the best because the Bucks are going to be crummy. I, mm-hmm. Well, there's I three fear. teams that are going to be very good. Three very good teams. And Where, what other to, division has three very good teams? Uh, there are several. We'll get to them over the right. coming days. Wait, let right. me the now east, to answer your the question. East. The AFC East. No, nope. uh, they that they perennially have three very bad teams in it. Yep. Fortunately for Tom Brady, whatever deal he made with uh, higher powers is wor- has worked out gangbusters for him over a, a decade and a half. Until this year. Well, how about uh, East, the so AFC North? AFC North might have three good teams. Yep. People are not as Browns. good as the NFC South. No, I'm, all right, I'm just trying to answer you off the top of my there head isn't, here. You won't be able to. NFC North. No, the North. What the are you North, talking yeah. about? Yeah, the even NFC the, North. Even the Bears might. No, the, the six, Lions seven, are not better than the um, than the third. We'll best see about NFC that South when we team. get when, when we get to our the, wild card. The, the winner meantime. of the NFC South, Dave, will be the Atlanta Falcons. Okay, they're going to have because that division's so good. They're going to have probably a ten and six record to win it, but there's the teams below them. The Panthers and the Saints will be Falcons, Saints, Panthers will be they'll all be clustered around that sort of ten and six, nine and seven mark. Interesting. Okay, spaghetti. I'm going to go with the Saints as the number one team. Um, I do like the Falcons, and I think that it's going to be a that's a tough division, the top three. Um, but I, I think the Saints are just going to be an offensive juggernaut for however long Drew Brees is around and talk about triplets. I mean, when they get back Kamara, but also have Ingram. I mean, sorry, when they get back Ingram, but they also have Kamara and then Michael Thomas. It's a really good offense, enough defensive pieces. So I, I think they're going to go uh, pretty far. By the way, Michael Thomas, the best pass catcher that Drew Brees has ever had in sure. his career. That means something. And uh, and with uh, Kamara, there are there is a lot of faith now being paid into this sophomore rookie of the year guy out of Tennessee. And uh, Sully's back there behind the glass. It really must sicken you to be one in one of those programs. It's not unlike being a pit football fan that mm-hmm. you that your guys thrive at the pro level but are pedestrian while they're matriculating in Knoxville. Huh? Think think about that. You you also have John Kelly too that was in that same backfield. It's gross that it backfield. Gross. Well as I've said to Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, Jeremy Hill and all right. those guys yeah. uh, Honey Badger. How did you guys not win 290 to 0 every week? I've said the same thing to the Clemson guys of a certain era michigan state cousins and levy on bell yeah uh, yeah right uh, yeah just just a, a mediocre kind of team well pitts the all pitts the of the last 15 years i don't want to go down that rabbit hole all right i will shady mccoy <laughs> larry fitzgerald darrell revis even andy lee aaron donald and the list goes Ooh. on and on barely can That's go seven and six if it's a good season they go to a bowl game at seven and six they go play in the uh insurance bowl whatever it is um all right i will go with in 
this division. Did you say who you got? Oh, you said Saints. I said Saints one. I said Falcons two. Falcons two. I've got the Falcons at 13 and three. Wow. In spite of the rugged competition, they start the season off on the right foot with a win in Philly with all those uh, all those boo birds from Philly looking on, ready to cheer on Nick Foles and company instead walking out of the stadium three and a half hours later, a little down in the dumps and confused. What, what, what will this what mean happens? for the remainder of 2018? Yep. Nick Foles is human now. When's when's coming back? You know, I think all those questions will loom. By the way, regarding those Eagles, I said it to Will Brinson when he joined us earlier in the week, and to Handsome, I say it again now. A big X factor, a Jenga piece uh, besides Fletcher Cox to beware of. Jay Ajayi, you, the, the, the undercovered part, yes, very clever what Peterson did, Wentz, a soaring sophomore year, uh, the great defensive line. But it, do not sleep on the physical uh, punch that LeGarrette Blunt. I guess that's a pun intended or whatever. And Jay Ajayi added to that team. That was, that was an essential part of why the Eagles were able to get through the, get through January and and the Patriots. And if Ajayi is not that, I don't know what they're going to do. Why do you think he wouldn't be that? I don't, doesn't he feel a little brittle to you? I, I think he certainly has. I mean, think that's one of the reasons that Miami said that they wanted to move on from right. him is that they didn't necessarily trust his legs. But we haven't seen that yet from his career. We've we at least not in the pros. He he was hurt a little bit in college. But it, there's nothing so far that would suggest that he can't be that guy for them through the course of the whole season. And then they've got a few bits and pieces behind him to 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 make sure he doesn't have to carry the ball every single time. I think they need a Jai, especially with Wentz out. Uh, I don't I don't think the, it's a smart move for the eagles to be like okay we're gonna run this offense and no alshon jeffrey right, don't sleep exactly. on that either so to run the offense through falls uh, doesn't make any sense to me once wentz comes back if you put in smallwood sprawls uh clement i think that's fine because wentz is so good he could just make a good running back out of anyone i know people say that but it's a, but it's cavalier when people just are like oh they got enough of oh, Corey clement you know he played well in uh in spots spot places wendell smallwood's had a few good games in his career i don't know i don't i don't just uh slough off the meaning of the running back in 2018 especially as i as i anticipate more and more defenses throwing an extra defensive back on the field in the place of a linebacker you're gonna want to be able to run the ball and run it with power and if you don't have that option I, I do think it hurts you a little bit in uh, in what we're going to see in 2018. I am Falcons 13 and three second place Saints Cam and company a fine season. Let's see if they get their wild card. But first, Eddie Spaghetti, the NFC West champion will be the Los Angeles Rams. I don't know how you choose anybody otherwise. I think really. they're my number two overall seed in the NFC. I think they're going to have a, a really, really good season. Seahawks are going to be bad. Cardinals right. are interesting, though. They're going to sleep be okay. on them. They and might I, be all right. The 49ers, I think, will be in second place, but it'll be a distant second place. Uh, the Rams just have so many good additions, and I know people are afraid about, like, oh, no, Aaron Donald, and you have Tlaib and, and Peters and these personalities, but I just think McVeigh. I feel like, I don't I don't know this, but I just feel like everyone enjoys McVeigh there. Like, if you're a Ram, like, I love that guy as my head coach. He's super smart. The offense is going to be awesome. Getting, uh, you know, Brandon Cooks and Todd Gurley could be an MVP candidate again. Uh, they're going to score a ton of points, and the defense has, like, players. They have a lot of good players. Uh, I think they're super talented, and I think they're going to just, they're going to skyrocket this entire year. Almost every team, though, can crumble, almost with very few uh, exceptions because of the quarterback. Very few teams can sustain uh, injury on the offensive line and still thrive. And they do have a couple of old essential pieces sure. on yep. that offensive line that, that, that better there. hold up. 
Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I would, I'd go that you're exactly right. Definitely the Rams. My big question mark is, I think everyone last year celebrated the fact that Sean McVay had this incredible system where he was telling Jared Goff up until the last second when, when the defense had shown itself what where he should be going with the ball. It doesn't necessarily, it, it's revolutionary in some aspects, but it doesn't necessarily show that Jared Goff is himself the guy that can do it. I'm sure he's learning along the way. What, oh, Sean McVay says I should do that. Okay, now I can see why I would do that. But I could see him, everyone sort of, like year one, he was not good right. in the opportunities mm-hmm. he had. Year two, I they came I completely agree up, with what you're year saying. Year two with Sean McVay doing this, all of a sudden it was like, okay, Jared Goff is good. And to the extent that he got, went to the Pro Bowl, I think, although everyone goes to the Pro Bowl these days. Then... Like what if what if that doesn't work out for him? What if what if Jared Goff without Sean McVay's brain, or if defenses realize, well, okay, well, we disguise it beyond the point that the that that um, system for him to be able to talk to him, you'd think that they would would have worked that out at some point last year, and it certainly doesn't minimize the Todd Gurley effect and Brandon Cooks and all the other weapons they have. But I don't think that Jared, I don't, I wouldn't kiss Jared Goff into like he's now one of the NFL's elite quarterbacks. Absolutely and that's right. And clever, yeah, clever coaches can figure out how to hide the weaknesses right. of a guy and uh, accentuate the strengths of a guy. But it, I, to me, I'm with you. It's a, it's a little. The glass is more than half full for everybody who has just ordained Jared Goff as a as a plus. Yeah, it's for like the okay, that's we done. Don't know we don't need that to worry that's about definitely right. the case just yet. And of course, an, a full off season of very clever. coaches coaches called defensive coordinators that are going to have watched all of 2017. Uh, It's, it's somewhat on McVay. It's very much on Jared Goff. There's a lot of pressure, a lot of expectation. Those things do matter. Yes. They are talking points for the media, but they also do matter uh, to human beings. And Jared Goff in out here, you know, if he struggles, it will be interesting to see how the team responds. If it were me, if I was a defensive coordinate, coordinator, I would do everything I could to take away Todd Gurley. Like yeah, I would right. sell yeah, out to. to make Jared Goff beat me. And I then, and then if if after a month of the season, Jared Goff is beating people by himself, then that's fine. But I would do I, I would do whatever I can to stop. I don't think he has pressure in, in a weird way. I think when you have a coach who's that smart, almost like in the mold of a Belichick type mastermind, that's how I feel about McVay. And then you have Gurley, but then also the defense with Aaron Donald and Dominic and Sue, like you, those guys are going to put so much pressure on the quarterback and stop the running. But then you have like lockdown cornerbacks. I think like the defense is going to be dominant, and you have a, an MVP running back. It's just like, okay, I'll just come in here, do what I need to I can, do. I, They'll be up three scores. And, and just, I think it is it. a great deal that they have Wade Phillips in there, too, as sort of like another head coach, a guy who's been around the block, obviously. I I mean, I got him at 12 and four. I have them at 13 and three. I mean, I think they're going to be that good. But, yeah, but, they should but be dynamite. It, as much as anything else, it says a lot about that division. It's Because I'm not buying the four. Here come the defenses that are going to adjust to you. Now, Sean McVay and Jared Goff, are they going to adjust to what the right. to what the defense is? Do it also doesn't season. hurt that their defense is going to All right, let's get through it now, fellas. I'm going to start with you, Handsome. Bring it on home. Give me your seeds. Okay, so my first seed is the Rams Okay, at 13-3. and three. My second seed is the Minnesota Vikings, the NFC North champions at 12-4. and four. Third seed, the Eagles at 11-5. And, and fourth seed, the Falcons at 10-6. and six. Give me your two wild cards. My Go two ahead. wild cards are the Saints, fifth seed, 10-6 and six also. Somehow the Falcons are ahead of them. I can't work out why mathematically. And number six is the Green Bay Packers at 10 and six as well. Well done, handsome. I think we should wait, Emma VP. Let's not reveal our uh, Super Bowl 
uh, tip participant from the NFC till next week. Let's build some drama because I know I know people are going to be like, okay, I can't, you. I can't wait to get the weekend out of the way. Right, exactly. This this long yeah. holiday weekend. That's what a showman does. Let's handsome. move on, Labor Day. I, I don't need show Labor Day. Business. Labor Day. I'm laboring through it because right. I want to get to Tuesday and find out this big reveal. Spaghetti. Uh, my number on overall. See, like I mentioned before, the Vikings. I'm going to have him with 13 wins. Rams will have 12 uh, wins in my number two spot. Uh, Saints 36. Seed uh, eleven wins. Eagles. I'm going to go at Eagles with ten wins now. That I'm thinking about that. And I think they're going to get the they're going to get the nudge over the Giants, who will also have ten wins due to uh, one of those like tiebreaker scenarios or you know better record uh, versus the division. And and then the fifth seed is the Packers. I think the Packers are pretty safe spot at like eleven wins, um, but just the Vikings are going to be too dominant to surpass them. Um, so that's how I see uh, playing out there. All right, I'll do it for you this way. I've got the Falcons at 13 wins as your number one seed, and they could, once they secure that number one seed, could just stay there all through January and February, be the first home team ever uh, in a Super Bowl. At number two, I've got the Packers at 12-4. and This is the tough one for me. Packers 12 and 4, Rams 12 and 4. I'll say LA travels up to Green Bay, not a small factor come uh, January if uh, if the pretty boys from SoCal have to travel up to frigid uh, Green Bay to play that game. And then I'll have the defending champs at 10 and 6 as your 4 seed, your 5 seed, the Minnesota Vikings at 10 and 6, your 6 seed I want to take the Dallas Cowboys. I like uh, what I, I like what they've got going there. I I'm tempted but it's going to be the Detroit Lions at 10-6, wow. bringing it on home. That's my sleeper team from the NFC. Dynamite stuff, Eddie Spaghetti and Handsome Hank. Have a wonderful Labor Day, why don't you? Thank you. You too, Dave. I'll try my best. I'll try my what best. What are you going to do? Any big plans to say rosé drinking? or uh... Probably, yeah. Nice. Actually, I'm doing, uh, I'm doing a fantasy draft here early oh. in the a.m., for your viewing pleasure. And then the next day, I'll, uh, I'll kick somebody out of our fantasy league, and then football season will be here. Great times, everybody. Great week. Can't wait. Make sure you tune in on Tuesday and listen to us as we get ever closer. At that point, we'll be seconds away from the kickoff of pro football season. Until then, make sure you're listening to Good Sports on the Adam Carolla Show. Uh, What's the other one called? Daves of Thunder. Big fan. Wherever you find your podcasts. The broadcast. And, of course, the broadcast is where the money's at. Go ahead and check out Emma and uh, Erica. Erica. Right? Yeah. Mina Kimes. And Mina Kimes. Oh, yeah, Mina Kimes. That was an impressive booking, Emma VP. I got to extend past the music on that. You got mm-hmm. Mina Kimes today. Got her. Yeah, good for you. She was great. Was Thanks. she nice? She was awesome. She's coming to the pie off? Yeah, we talked about it quite a bit. Really? Yeah. Yep. Big uh, topic of conversation. You should tune in, Dave, for sure. See, listen all the I'll way through. They talk I'm about it right at the end. I'm excited to hear. <laughs> I'm excited to hear Mina Kimes in her. Uh, her first go round at the. <sighs> anyway, it's been a thin slice of heaven. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.
Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.